Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the About to Review podcast, here to amplify diverse voices in media. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on whichever platform you're listening to this on. You can also stream the episodes directly from the website, abouttoreview.com. Follow the podcast on social media, at About to Review, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have any questions, comments, or want to engage in some dialogue, you can always shoot me an email, abouttoreview at gmail.com. All right, on today's episode, another single movie review episode, because I have been super busy with traveling all over the place, so I only had time to watch uh, one movie, but it is a big one. It is the latest movie in the Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So that will be on this week's episode. So stay tuned for that. But before we get to that, we have to go to the original theme song created by Damon Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. As I just mentioned, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is the latest film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and this is their Phase 4 set of films, which leads into next year where they have a whole bunch of projects coming out, but focusing on this one. This is directed by Destin Daniel Cretton. Uh, I hope it is Cretton and not Cretton. C-R-E-T-T-O-N. I believe Cretton. So Destin Daniel Cretton directed this, and he is actually like this film festival darling who has been doing films for quite a while, and a lot of them are, you know, focused on dramas, things like Short Term 12, Just Mercy, Glass Castle, but with this, he steps into some huge shoes in the MCU and with this major kind of martial arts epic story. So when he first was announced, I was really interested to see what that balance would be like with his acumen kind of coming into this without an action background. But I was excited to see what he would do with it. And he teamed up with some other people that he has been working with a couple different times. So Andre Lanham and Dave Callahan. So again, they have worked together before on other projects as writers. So they brought that crew back together to work on this. Now, the story of Shang-Chi, I will go into a quick comic book history real quick before getting into the movie itself. Uh, well, I would just say the movie itself, you know, has to deal with the underground mysterious Ten Rings organization that we have heard mention of in other Marvel movies. We even saw Ben Kingsley as the quote-unquote Mandarin in films before and in one of the mid credit scenes and short things. But that was not actually the Mandarin, as we came to find out. So that, that is kind of the framework, is that this is the actual story, potentially, of where that character come from, comes from and his connection with Shang-Chi. And I do think it is interesting that this film, which is so steeped 
in you know Chinese mythology and has some incredible you know pillars of Chinese cinematic just royalty with Tony Tony Leung and Michelle Yeoh among others Shang-Chi actually like in the 70s essentially came from one of the most racist archetype characters ever produced in media and that was Dr. Fu Manchu or the insidious Dr. Fu Manchu in the 70s Marvel bought the rights to that character so they were like cool how about we take Dr. Fu Manchu give him a son and name him Shang-Chi and we will go from there but they made that connection to Fu Manchu which is just atrocious like and this again was in the 70s when this was in the height of the kind of Asian exploitation, kung fu films, Shang-Chi himself was modeled after Bruce Lee when all of those movies were huge. So this was definitely the time period. But Dr. Fu Manchu, like that was a Sax Romer creation, the writer, English writer, from like 1913. And Sax Romer was horribly and blatantly racist in not only his portrayal of Dr. Fu Manchu, but just the yellow peril that he wrote about in every story was just really hard to swallow. So thankfully, uh, in the 80s, Marvel essentially lost the rights to use that character and that name, which was a good thing because then they just moved away from it completely. And then Shang-Chi's dad just became this mysterious figure and no longer in any way associated with Fu Manchu, uh, because that is just so problematic. But from there, this character truly became kind of a staple in things that they were doing. And now we have representation that actually makes sense, that is historical, that does have some mythology to it. And it actually has, oh, weird, a Chinese person playing Shang-Chi and other Asian people playing roles that are more accurate versus a bunch of white dudes playing Fu Manchu. If you really do not want to sleep at night, just go look some go look up some of those movies and it will hurt your soul. So that was just a really quick, uh, you know, not even explanation, but just a touch on where Shang-Chi, the character, came from in the 70s. He had his own series for quite a while until I think like 83 when they canceled it and then brought him back in, in various ways. So the fact that it came from a super, super messed up connection to an archetype, a racist archetype, but now has become something positive. I love that. And it is not associated with that character of Fu Manchu anymore. Just fantastic. Okay. With this film, first off, you have to focus on the action. That is something that has been selling this movie since the first trailers a couple years ago. Because like a lot of things, this movie was supposed to come out February of 2021, I think was the first date. Then I got pushed, then I got pushed again. So we have been seeing trailers, bits and pieces for a long time, all of them focusing on the action. And that is justified. Because in this film, it really drives the point across. And not only that, but the pedigree that they brought on for a movie that is so rooted in martial arts versus some of their other projects, which, which yes, they all have fight scenes, 
but this one was different, and they knew that going into it. So they brought in people like Andy Chang and Brad Allen as stunt coordinators who were part, or are, um, at least with Andy, you know, part of the Jackie Chan stunt team and worked with him on movies going back to the 80s and 90s. So that pedigree by itself, I was super excited for because I was like, okay, they're going to do this right. Uh, a lot of Marvel projects, it just gets really muddy. You cannot really tell what is going on. The cuts are really rough. This was different. This one, it takes such a different approach and showcases the ability of the actors and actresses who are doing as much of the stunt work as they were allowed to do. Obviously, they cannot do everything, but you can truly tell that Simu Lu was doing as much as possible. And you can even look at his like Instagram stuff that he was putting up, again, like a year or two ago, uh, maybe a year and a half ago, showing him doing things. I was like, oh, imagine that. Actors who can actually do some of the things that they are portraying. So that was really solid. Uh, and yeah, the action with this, this is the best, I would say, martial arts action, or not even that. I would say the best fight choreography in general since The Winter Soldier. That really set the bar, but this is on a different level. It looks better. It looks cleaner. Yeah, just super, super solid action. And again, they did that with the pedigree of having people from the Jackie Chan stunt team. So kudos to them. And the actors all look pretty flawless when they're going through the action. And yes, at times it does get a little bit CGI kind of there are some wipes in there and there are some quick cuts. Sure, that is going to happen. But overall, super solid with the action. And Simu Lu who plays our titular character, Shang-Chi, crushes it. Like, he absolutely deserved this step up to, to the big stage, to the Marvel stage, which I gotta say is probably like the biggest stage any actor could step up to these days. There is nothing really else like the MCU right now. Just a huge, dominating universe of films. He steps into this, and is so good and just believable. Like, he is just a really charismatic actor that you like watching on screen. He is really good. I like him a lot. Uh, this movie also stars Aquafina as his best friend Katie. Aquafina in this is Aquafina in everything. She does have a couple more dramatic moments in this. If you have seen any Aquafina movie, you know exactly what you're getting into. So I would just leave it at that. Uh, if you like her, you will like this. Um, Shang-Chi's dad in this film is portrayed by a legendary Chinese actor, Tony Leung, who is just fantastic. I mean, he, when I talk about like legendary actor in Asian cinema, he has all the accolades. He has been just a huge, huge star over there. He became popular kind of in the in the West with his film, uh, The Grand Master, a few years ago. But just a legend. Uh, Michelle Yeoh is also in this as Ying Nan, who cannot really go too much into her character because it is a major kind of plot point. Uh, and then the other major people that we have uh, is a sister in this, Zhang Ling. Zhang Ling. 
Uh, and the actress, I tried to look up so many interviews of how to pronounce her name, Menghar Zhang. I think I am so sorry if that is wrong. I tried to find an interview where somebody actually said your name. Could not find it. But in this, we see Simu Lu as Shang-Chi basically after neglecting his, his past, after running away from his past and just trying to live his own life, he, of course, gets pulled back into the underworld by his father for a nefarious reason. That part is kind of standard of like, oh, the son of this like global international terrorist organization, underground organization, ran away and is doing his own thing until dad comes a-calling and chaos ensues. That That is standard. But here's the thing, one of the many things that sets this film apart from not just the Marvel movies, but, but especially the Marvel movies, Tony Leung, as Wenwu, the main antagonist of the whole film, he is flat out the best Marvel Cinematic Universe villain we have ever had. And I say that not because, you know, he is some Thanos-level threat and all of these things. Nope. The thing that makes him a fantastic villain, he has compassion, he has this gravitas, he has soul, he has love, he shows emotion. Like, this character is so fleshed out and so real, where you understand his motivations, truly understand his motivations. And that is something that not just in the Marvel movies, in most films where there is kind of an over-the-top villain, you never really get that. This, like, you true, I, at least, truly felt for the villain. I was like, and not in a, you know, again, Thanos had some points and kill half the universe. Killmonger had some great points. But there's something different about this villain. And it is it, this connection with his family. You see him smiling. You see him laughing. You see him in love. You, it just like it is an emotional roller coaster with the villain of the piece. And that was just, it was super surprising and so, so well done. Again, because of the actors that you have involved in this. So that alone really set, set this film apart from the beginning when you first start interacting, you know, with this villain. Like it was just, it was just very different. And I absolutely loved him as a villain. It was it was phenomenal. Um, as far as some of the the other kind of major plot points, obviously I'm not going to talk about those. This is a spoiler free show. You do get connections, obviously, to the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe, but not as many as other films. And I also love that about this movie. A lot of times with these, I would say outside of the norm MCU films, things like Ant Man or something like that. It seems like every five minutes they have to remind you it is part of the, the MCU. It is part of Marvel. They just beat you over the head with it. This one, it did not. There were definitely a lot of moments, but it was a lot more seamless. Like, this felt like if there were not a couple major characters that you see in the movie, uh, like Wong from Doctor Strange or, you know, Ben Kingsley or something, this could just be a martial arts a Chinese martial arts movie with Chinese mythology, Chinese characters, 
and it could sit on its own. And unfortunately, a lot of the Marvel movies that try this do not do that. Something like uh, the recent uh, Black Widow movie, which again was part of this phase four. It's again, that was one where it just constantly felt like they were just like, remember, this is Marvel. No matter what is going on, remember, do not forget, this is Marvel. And that just got kind of annoying. With this, you can just kind of lose yourself in this world. So I love that aspect of it. There were a couple scenes in this during fight scenes where they are having this like very wuxia style, you know, crouching tiger hero style of fight scene where the camera slows down. It focuses on the close up and the characters and their eyes looking at each other. And the only thing that bothered me about that were the people in the theater that I was with who kind of like scoffed at that or kind of laughed when the camera slowed down and there's this romantic moment. That bothered me. (laughs) I say that because in movies like Crouching Tiger, Hero, House of Flying Daggers, these classic or I would say modern classic Chinese cinema films, that is a major part of it. That is in Chinese cinematic culture, not just in the action movies, in some of the romance films. And so to have that in this and people just kind of scoff at it because it breaks the action I was like, come on. Like, that just just bothered me. And I was like, it was just unnecessary. So it happens a couple times. I loved it. I was in the moment. I loved it when it happened. But the only thing that took me out of it was somebody kind of being like, I was like, come on, get over yourself. Um, But anyway, (laughs) other than that that little gripe, some of the other aspects of this film, when they go to, and you see parts of this in the trailer, but they go to a mystical place, I I will say. And I will not say where. I was hoping it was a very specific place in the Marvel Universe, uh, a place where possibly a Marvel Netflix show uh, had mentioned more than once. Um, No, it is not that village. Slightly disappointing, but whatever, it makes sense. When they go to this mystical place, and you see mystical creatures, those are all done beautifully. And again, it has this true like Chinese mythology feel to it. A very journey to the West. Like this could easily, with a couple different changes, be an adaptation of Journey to the West. And like I said, it would not need that Marvel connection. But it has it. So it is it is there. It is a thing. Uh Michelle Yeoh is in that village. That is where we get to see a lot of her character and her character development. And the characters even that were developed there and the reason that they have to go there, it makes sense. And I kept like telling myself or talking to myself in the theater, kind of being surprised at how much sense this was all making in this hyper fantasy Marvel Cinematic Universe. I understood why the villain was there. I understood why the protagonist was there. I understand why the people were there, what they were doing. It, everything just kind of clicked. And again, there, there were a couple characters that I wanted to see in that village as well. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there. It is not even a spoiler that this character is not in there. But to some diehard fans, uh, Fing Fang Foom is somebody that I really wanted to be in this movie. Uh, it is this basically alien dragon from the comic books. I was hoping it would be in here. It is not. Uh, There is still potential. Maybe there is a 
literal and figurative door that got opened in this film that maybe could lead to that. Who knows? Um, but as the legend of the Ten Rings, you know, goes in this film, and we get the villains' motivations for these things, the Ten Rings themselves look dope, like just a super cool weapon in the now uh, MCU. And with those, they actually use that to transition. Speaking of doors being opened, the mid-credit scene and the post-credit scene, which there are both, make sure to stay around. The mid-credit scene does a fantastic job of setting the stage for the next films and for kind of where they are going. So that was that was really cool. I'm glad that they were able to introduce that. Um, one other one kind of last thing that I appreciated about this film. Only one character in this movie ends up getting shirtless or ends up in some scantily clad outfit. And it is Simu Lu, uh, the protagonist, Shang-Chi. Every other character is covered head to toe in their costume. And there's only one scene where you, where you see Simu like take his shirt off. And it was just like kind of a throwaway fight scene. But I loved it. It was just like, thank you for for kind of flipping that around and as opposed to being like oh somebody got a new costume and it is one of the female characters and of course it is showing a bunch of things nope everybody is covered head to toe loved that and Simu taking his shirt off first of all he looks amazing so that was great also but as opposed to some of the other Marvel films or just the action films in general that was just a really just fun way of doing that so I'm a big fan of that, um, I think that is kind of all I want to say about this film. Of course, with the Delta variant going on and, and all of these things, and depending on where you are in the country listening to this or across the world, take that into consideration. This is going to be dropping on Disney+, Plus, at least here in the States, day and date as the theater. If you want to stay home, totally understand that. Mask up. Be safe. I was fortunate to see this at a press screening where there are only like... 10 or 12 of us in there, I still am not super comfortable going to a packed theater. So totally make your choices, mask up, do what you feel is right. Uh, so for the rating system for this podcast, there are only three choices. No letter grades, uh, no stars, nothing. The three choices are good, bad, or ugly. A good film is something that you recommend to your friends. A bad film is something that was like, meh, kind of meh. Uh, yeah, it was meh, kind of meh, even that. And ugly, avoid at all costs. Uh, my official rating for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings absolutely gets a good. This movie, halfway through, I was loving it and being like, wow, this is really creeping up on my MCU list, like top five. As the movie kept going, it not only stayed there, it kept going up. Like this is a top tier MCU movie for me. Absolutely loved what they did with it. Loved, loved, loved the villain so much. Like, the villain, honestly, was probably my favorite character in this film. So, and yes, he is still a villain. He still does some very, very bad things. But Tony Leung just crushes it. So good. So believable. Uh, yeah. And Simu, like, he deserves the spotlight. Absolutely. Um, at the very end of the credits, they do say, In Loving Memory of Brad Allen... Brad Allen was a stunt coordinator and second unit director for this film. He was only 48 years old. And for those of you who are not steeped in 
martial arts cinema, Brad Allen was just a legend. He was the first non-Asian member of Jackie Chan's stunt team. One of the best fight scenes that he was in was Gorgeous in 1999, where he is this boxer, and the whole fight scene is incredible. So he was an Australian martial artist and actor and stunt coordinator. Uh, he passed away from an illness. Nobody really said what it was, but he was super young and was heavily involved in this film. So it says, in loving memory of Brad Allen at the end, definitely do yourself a favor. Go watch some of his old Jackie Chan movies. They are all amazing. Uh, Tuxedo is maybe not amazing, but Gorgeous is amazing, and so are some of the other ones. Uh, but yeah, I love the action, love the actors. Storyline made sense. Loved what it set up for the next stage of the MCU without feeling like it was just a stepping stone for those films. So, yeah, uh, there you go. So that was Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, see it in the theater or see it at home. Whatever works, of course, the theater. This movie looks beautiful and amazing. But you can also stay home and watch it. Same day and date. So whatever feels right to you. So uh, for the podcast, follow on social media at about to review Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Email the show about to review at gmail.com. Full links to the films that are talked about are on about to review.com as well. I think I said my email wrong. About to review at gmail.com. Regardless, you know what it is, folks. And all of the links are down below. So I have been your host, that guy named John, and we'll see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby.